coming up on this week's call. Real estate, it's a very large asset class. And the larger the assets, that means the larger the opportunity for financing. It be the largest for Indonesia compared to other asset class. And it's really ripe for transformation when it comes to financing because the financing in real estate is still very much underpenetrated. The penetration of mortgage, when we measure that as a percentage of GDP, it's still at below 4%, somewhere at about 3%. We compare that with other markets, both developed and also emerging. Say in China, the penetration of mortgages at 55% of GDP. In, in, in India, even still at much higher percentage at 12% of GDP. In more mature market like the US or Singapore, that's like more than 80-90% of GDP. So there's so much room to grow. Now, what does it mean for the consumer side, right? I wanted to dial back to the past into 2020 when you and Dara decided to embark on this journey coming out of coming out of Bojek and had this thesis of how Indonesia's property market would evolve. Now, three, coming on four years on, how has this thesis come full circle? Is it as you expected in some ways? How is it different from what you expected? Maybe you can paint that picture for us. It has uh, definitely come full circle indeed. Our vision is to increase accessibility to property for better livelihood and financial inclusion. And we had theorized that uh, three key things were necessary to achieve this. We'd like to believe that in the next five years, the transformation that's been happening to the retail good sector will also happen in the real estate service sector. Standardizations of tools across property agents, agencies and developers, them getting more digitized and more sophisticated. What's exciting for a PropTech is that the infrastructure all will be there, the mindset will be there. First time home buyers will be very excited to look for their first home. There's going to be over 100 million of them in Indonesia alone. Hi folks, welcome back to On Call with Insignia, where we go on call with leaders innovating the future of Southeast Asia, or as we like to call it, Asia Innovation. I'm your host, Paolo Aquino. To all our first-time listeners and watchers on YouTube, welcome to the show. Do give us a uh, follow or subscribe wherever you are listening in or tuning in so you can stay tuned to more conversations with leaders who are, as I mentioned, innovating the future of Southeast Asia. So let's get right into it for this episode. In our call with the Pinhome founders, sinews in this episode, catch last week's episode for part one and make sure you get notified on when to dial in by following us wherever you're listening to us. Uh, another trend I think that Pinhome is definitely riding on is this whole embedded finance which England just mentioned in a recent CNBC interview coming up to a trillion dollar opportunity, a trillion dollar industry coming out even just from Southeast Asia. So for Pinhome, I know Dara, you mentioned last year that Pinhome is 50% fintech. And so how do you see this role of embedded finance or this greater interest in embedded finance impacting Pinhome's own fintech businesses? Yes, Paolo, that is really precise that Pinhome is a PropTech and FinTech, half of our businesses in financial service technology. And the reason for that is because naturally, inherently, real estate is a sector that is very much financing reliant. The developer side, the supply side are reliant on financing for them to build homes. The consumer side, they're reliant on mortgage to be able to purchase homes. And then everywhere else, for example, on the agent side, they're also reliant on financing because of the cash flow profile of their occupations, right? So FinTech is a very important part of real estate as a sector and in-home as a business. If you look at uh, the sector, right, real estate, it's a very large asset class. And the larger the assets, that means the larger the opportunity for financing. 
will be the largest for Indonesia compared to other asset class. And it's really ripe for transformation when it comes to financing because the financing in real estate is still very much underpenetrated. The penetration of mortgage, when we measure that as a percentage of GDP, it's still at below 4%, somewhere at about 3%. We compare that with other markets, both developed and also emerging. Say in China, the penetration of mortgages at 55% of GDP. In, in, in India, even still at much higher percentage at 12% of GDP. In more mature market like the US or Singapore, that's like more than 80, 90% of GDP. So there's so much room to grow. Now, what does it mean for the consumer side, right? Knowing that financing is a very important piece of the interactions and of the whole kind of relative transaction. Consumer wants financing to be embedded. Consumer wants the financing to be there as they are searching for their first home or their next homes. Embed finance is an integration of fintech within penal platform. We want to be that one sub solution where, you know, if you think about how we manifest that is financial consultations that are attached throughout the home seekers journey. They don't have to go anywhere to understand their financial standing position. The entry points are scattered and well thick throughout the home seeking journey. Mortgage entry points that are attached to brokerage home search journey. It's right there in the listing. Uh, so if they are scrolling through the listings, they can see their mortgage availability, which banks that are available for this particular listing and what's going to be the monthly installment for them, right? What kind of interest that they will be paying at. Agent invoice financing, they are attached to the home transaction that agent just facilitated. So as agents are completing property transactions, they are eligible for commission, which they might not get immediately because there's always sometimes lead time before they can get their commission dispersed. So they then have that option to explore potential financing. And then last but not least, primary project financing that are also attached to the developer onboarding journey. Of course, it's going to be very selective. So we have a product that explores financing to primary property developer with highly attractive projects, highly sellable, right? And that's also somehow embedded in the developer onboarding journey in the public. I think it's really interesting how you talk about also, because when you think about embedded finance, usually it's easy to think about it from the consumer, the end consumer perspective, but it's also very much embedded, at least in Pinho's case, throughout the whole value chain for suppliers as well, for developers. So it's really interesting to, to hear, hear about that from you. And with embedded finance, I think that just points to this whole property, PropTech 2.0, which you've talked about in the past of PropTech 1.0 being just marketplace and then PropTech 2.0 being more end-to-end embedding finance as well. Do you see PropTech 3.0 coming in the future? What will that look like for Indonesia? Maybe you can paint a picture for us for the future of, of PropTech in the country. I think we'll, to give some context, maybe we'll start with the sector. How is the sector going to look like in the next uh, five years? And in that context, then how PropTech kind of will evolve. Property in Indonesia has been in a bearish, I would say in the bearish market in the past few years, right? And then there are some leading indicators such as rising commodity prices and rapid infrastructure growth, the development of the countries, right? Those are all leading indicators that in the next five years, the sector will be in an up cycle. And anyone that's right now preparing the right fundamentals then can tap into the opportunities riding the wave. In the financing side, we believe that interest rate is going to, of course, go back down. There'll be significant increase in mortgage origination capacity as banks diversify beyond consumer lending, non-collateral to more, uh, I would say, sophisticated collateralized lending like mortgage. Technology-wise, we'd like to believe that in the next five years, the 
transformation that's been happening to the retail goods uh, sector will also happen in the real estate service sector. Standardizations of tools across property agents, agencies, and developers, them getting more digitized and more sophisticated. There will be some players that might take more time just because they are heavily regulated, such as, for example, larger banks and they have legacy systems. But they'll also, at least the mindset will be there and the effort will kick off already by then. Supply side, I think there's still a backlog of housings in Indonesia that needs to be filled. In the next five years, as the needs for first home continue to rise, probably this Gen Z and millennial that are more, I think, financially savvy, right? And looking for homes preemptively, right? Supply will need to catch up. What's exciting for a prospect is that the infrastructure all will be there. The mindset will be there. First-time home buyers will be very excited to look for their first home. There's going to be over 100 million of them in Indonesia alone. And then at the same time, the wave of AI, right? We, we see the proliferation and just the acceleration of AI, especially LLM being one of the most advanced kind of technologies in AI right now being developed and being adopted. We see that top tech will be able to tap into that. And if you think about transaction in real estate, it's very conversational, right? Unlike in e-commerce, goods commerce, right? Where the transaction is more simple, it's search search-based or browse-based, and you don't have to con converse with anybody and you can make that decision then and there very fast and very quick. Real estate is a very slow-moving transaction that requires complex decision-making and how the users, consumers are making that decision is through conversation. So I think it's really exciting the fact that we have these AI technologies that are essentially are based on large language model that can really power that conversation. We believe that Prophet 3.0 will look like, will look more conversational, that engagement and interactions between consumers and platforms will be very intense. And the Prophet can really emerge as an absolute winner is Prophet that can really adopt, take advantage of the nature of its conversational transactions. We believe in home are right now laying out the right fundamentals and we are well positioned to capture that. There, everything that you just mentioned really brings together our conversation thus far, talking about all the fundamentals that Ahmed brought up with the sector financing and you talking about all the, the supply side of things as well and bringing home as well the importance. I, I guess the, the interesting part that you mentioned of prop tech property being that type of transaction journey that lends itself very well to large language models, which makes it a lot more exciting to see how this technology will impact prop techs down the line. And Dara just painted that picture of the future. For Ahmed, I uh, wanted to dial back to the past into 2020 when you and Dara decided to embark on this journey coming out of coming out of Gojek and had this thesis of how Indonesia's property market would evolve. Now three, coming on four years on, how has this thesis come full circle? Is it as you expected in some ways? How is it different from what you expected? Maybe you can paint that picture for us. It has uh, definitely come full circle indeed. Yeah. Our vision is to increase accessibility to property for better livelihood and financial inclusion. And we had theorized that uh, three key things were necessary to achieve this. And that would be digitizing property information, digitizing the property transaction, and digitizing financing. And in digitizing property information, this is an ongoing effort to provide the single source of truth for all property listings in Indonesia. And discovery 
continues to be an important use case for property seekers with a larger inventory. Discovery needs to evolve to provide a delightful experience in digitizing the property transaction. The complexity of a transaction continues to stay the same. So having a guide is as important as ever. And uh, what we have found is that stitching the offline and online journey is necessary in a property transaction. And finally, in digitizing financing, the variety of financing options continue to expand. So always keeping up to speed with new mortgage products, new combination of variables that banks offer in their new mortgage products and continuing to improve the financing journey. Uh, and the reason why we do this is to increase transparency even more and work closely with banks to reduce time to disbursement. So we've been able to validate that all these three approaches are, are very important to our stakeholders, uh, but we have discovered some additional nuances along the way uh, due to working very closely with each of them. Yeah, if, if e-commerce has that uh, iron triangle, in-home has that uh, property triangle, so to speak, bring all these three elements together. So now let's go into some quick fire segments. First, uh, I wanted to bring you guys into a minute masterclass and ask if you were to give a class on executing or ensuring prioritization for startup CEOs, which I think is all the more important as the company grows and becomes more complex. What would be the key takeaway you would want the class to have in, in one line? Ahmed? I would say singular vision driven by relentless prioritization of opportunities is covered through regular stakeholder interactions. Yeah, packed a lot in, into that one statement. Great. Dara? For me, it would be the ultimate things that work and don't work in scaling prop tech ventures in emerging markets. Yeah, an interesting class to sign up for. Moving on to our other rapid fire round questions. I came up with some new ones since you guys have done this like three, four times already. What superpower of any one of your fellow C-level colleagues would you want to have, Ahmed? I would like the storytelling skill set that our CMO has. Yeah, and Adara? I would like the real estate sales skills of our CCO. Interesting, interesting. If you would be invited to produce a Netflix series, what would be the title of the show, Adara, this time? It would be Find Your Way Home. A story about finding a dream home. Selling Sunrise, but the <laughs> Indonesia version. Ahmed? Perhaps. Would be living sustainably with urban farming. Interesting. Okay. That, that, that's something I'd like to check out. Looking back now, what is a skill to be a soft skill or hard skill you believe you should have learned back in your time as a student? Ahmed? As a student, I focused a lot on hard skills. So I think a skill to understand people better. So perhaps behavioral science. Yeah, behavioral science. Dara? Perhaps building scaling venture. But I think your, all your experiences have already been that learning for you guys. If there's something that you could automate in your job just by wishing for it, what aspect of your role would that be, Dara? Just overall time management, managing my calendar, and then also resources management, generally managing all the resources that I'm responsible for. Yeah, you need your own Jarvis, I think, <laughs> like mm -hmm. an AI co-pilot. Ahmed, for you? For me, it would be processing and summarizing and generating insights on large documents. So this is the reality now. So just waiting for and implementing practical applications for that. And maybe you guys might be the one to build that for property, maybe. If you could pick anyone alive or dead to be your 24-7 executive coach, who would it be and why, Ahmed? Uh, it would be the current CPO at Carta, Will Larson. So he, he has re written books like Elegant Puzzle, Systems of Engineering Management, where he elucidates many insights in growing an engineering org. So I would love that. And Dara? Someone alive, Bernard Arnold. He graduated from engineering school, started his career in real estate. But I admire how he managed to build world's large luxury goods empire in a sector he was completely unfamiliar with. He was coming from real estate. 
with female customer segment as its core segment. Yeah, really great recommendations from you guys. And yeah, just extending that question further, any other recommendations you guys might have for our audience in terms of books to read, Dara? I recently read this book called CEO Excellence, The Six Mindsets That Distinguish the Best Leaders from the Rest. And I find it as probably the best book for CEOs I've read in many years. Mm, I would recommend that. We'll definitely push that to our portfolio founders as well. Ahmed? It's a management 3.0, so it's a very interesting exploration of ideas in management and leadership. What makes it uh, really interesting is that it, there's a lot of insight that is drawn from systems design and interesting theoretical concepts. Should be a good combo with your uh, elegant puzzle recommendation earlier. And on that note, thank you so much, Darren Ahmed, for coming back on the show. It's always great to hear more about how Pinhome has grown over the past year. I, I like having done this conversation with you guys several times there are some some things that still say the same but at the same time you guys keep building on top of that and keep sharing exciting stuff to look forward to especially when it comes to not just in home but Indonesia's property landscape so thank you so much uh, again for coming back on pleasure is ours Paolo thanks for having us and see you next, next year thank you for joining us on this call make sure you get notified on when to dial in by following us wherever you're listening to us if you're on youtube hit that subscribe button toss in a like and let us know if you'd like to hear more of this topic in the comments see you all in our next call